He's a disgrace to the mock neck. You're wearing a mock neck. A gray mock neck with a black stripe in it. Two bitches, yeah, two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch. Hello. Welcome to Bitch Watch. What's up? Hopefully you've found us again. I don't know. You know, I think they found us last week. And if they found us this week, uh, do we have gold stars to give them? Only if they can leave us a rating and review. That's real early up the top, but... Damn. She's always on it, though. If they can find us and they want a gold star, they'll leave us a nice review. Give us a gold star. Give us five gold stars. Even if your review just says, I left this for a gold star, that's fine with me. I appreciate your mm-hmm. honesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But welcome back, or welcome. This is week three with Firefly, which is exciting. Yep, that means we're three-fourths of the way done. Yee And I'm excited to get to the movie Serenity, so we're getting too close. Yeah. Actually, I take that back. There's something very bad that happens in Serenity I'm not looking forward to. And I still don't know what that is. <laughs> no, nope, but you will. I might cry again. Someone important dies, and that's all that has been slipped to me, which I kind of figured by just like the way that everything, talk, you know, all the talks are, so. Yeah. But that's all I, I know, and right now I'm in a blissful little bubble of, I don't Yay. know things. Woohoo. No one dies. It's all happy. Yeah. So last week, I mentioned that I ran a Twitter poll about uh, sleeping on the cold side of the pillow. Yes. And at the time, we only had 40 responses. When that poll ended, we ended up getting 102. (laughs) And the strong majority still was, no, 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 you got to flip that pillow over, mate. Uh, I'm not not surprised. (laughs) The internet loves to prove me wrong. So there is that as well. Hey, man, usually I'm on the wrong side as well, but I lucked out this time. Yet 92.2% of people voted, yeah, flip that pillow over. (laughs) Well, at least I'm not completely alone. Yeah, you and that 8%. Um, So yeah, this week I decided to do another Twitter poll, and this time a little bit more on topic. And I... And I tweeted, with no spoilers, who's your favorite character of Firefly? Let's do this bracket style, shall we? Which Twitter, unfortunately, only lets you do four options per poll, which means I had to combine a couple of characters. So in the first tweet was Captain Mel Reynolds, of course, Zoe Wash, and Jane. And then in the second poll, I ran Kaylee versus Inara, Shepard Book. And then I had to combine River and Simon Tam because in my brain, the Tams kind of occupied the same space. Yeah, I get that. I understand I they're that. different characters, but yeah. uh, leading really hard is Kaylee for that second one. <laughs> Shock. Yeah. I know. People, less people are bothered about a Nara Shepherd book or either of the Tams. Kaylee's well, pushing whenever, really hard. Yeah, whenever you put Kaylee against those, I mean, that's a, that's a tough sell, bro. And then for the first one, and mind you, it wasn't really strong of a... As strong of a response, but with a third of the vote, so about eight people out of 24 responded Mal is their favorite. But Wash is right there at nearly 30%, Zoe's 25%, and then poor baby Jane is losing that one. Yeah, because Jane's the worst. (laughs) He's the worst. Yeah. You chose the worst one. Congrats. Gold star. Yeah, so be sure to keep an eye on our Twitter page for more polls for your favorite characters and the shows that we're watching this summer. It could be very, very fun and just more polls to 
discuss in the future of characters and decisions, that kind of thing. But yeah, I am uh, I am fully prepared. I came armed with some peach slash youthberry tea. Big old mug that I'm halfway through already, which that's going to go well. <laughs> I don't like peach and I don't know why, but every time I hear the word peach, I immediately hear the word schnapps right behind it. I feel like that's something that happened in your college years. No, but honestly really? not. You I didn't just like shotgun schnapps? No, definitely not. Definitely not peach. I can't do peach. Really? I don't that's even weird. like, I don't even like real peaches. What? Peaches are like my favorite. Can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do uh, it. I love the the skin and how it's just a little furry. Yeah. And how it like pops. So yeah. And I don't have much experience with schnapps either, except for my sister-in-law's wedding because we were like right, mm. right pre-COVID and we were all passing around a bottle of peppermint sh- schnapps. Oh, that stuff will kill you. Oh yeah. It was pretty potent. But the thing was- Was it uh, rumplements? I don't remember. But uh, the thing that was funny was because we were like, wait- how do we explain why we just smell really minty? And I'm like, mouthwash. We're prepared for... We're the bridal party. We're prepared. It's mouthwash. Whenever I started drinking, mm-hmm. like, you know how you'll get alcohol mouth and it's really yeah. gross? I just do a shot of rumple and you're fresh and ready to fuck, boys. This week we watched episodes 9 through 12 of Firefly. Yes. It doesn't feel like we've watched that many episodes, but we have. That were... We- Three quarters of the way through, yeah. When I was yeah. working on preparing the notes for the episode, I went, oh man, we really only have two episodes left of Firefly <laughs> and then the movie. And I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah it's pretty crazy. Very excited for the next show with neither of us having watched. I'm kind of scared if I hate it to rip into it. Because one, Linda Cardellini is my life and my love and my wife. Also, I know James Franco is like a very controversial person, but he could get it. He could get it so bad. <laughs> Like, I know that's not the answer we should be saying, but he's interesting. I like his face. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like watching the original 21 Jump Street and all you can do is stare at baby Johnny Depp and just go, uh-uh. oof, why? So, Firefly. So, let's start with episode nine, Ariel. And not the Ariel you're hoping. Under the sea, ba da ba This episode opens as Serenity is heading to Ariel and Inara is due for her annual companion physical exam and license renewal. And that literally doesn't come back at all, except to explain why Inara's not in the episode. Mm -hmm. It's a convenient plot point of, oh, by the way, uh, she's going to be in and out. Uh, She has a thing. She's going to be gone. Peace. The crew chats in the common room about what they might do while they're on this planet, but Mal enters to announce, huh, no one's actually going to leave this ship because it's, what, it's Alliance-based? I don't know. There was some reason they weren't leaving the ship. I should probably know, but... I should also know, knowing that I read through the notes today. Okay, uh, but Mal enters to announce that no one will actually be able to leave the ship because it's more Alliance-based and he's not wanting to draw attention to them. Jane starts to make some remark about Simon because, of course, he does. And River snaps and slashes him in the chest with this huge kitchen carving knife. She just whack right across the chest. And Jane responds by flat out backhanding her, flies her across the room because he's big, she's tiny, we get it. And she defends herself and says that Jane looks better in red. (laughs) Simon stitches Jane up in the infirmary and tries to apologize for River's actions. You know, girl's crazy, we get it. Jane refuses to listen and demands that Mal, who is standing there supervising all of this, that perhaps River and Simon should just be left on Ariel and they might even receive a reward for turning in the siblings. 
Mal shuts all this down, says that they're not leaving anyone behind, but after Jane leaves the infirmary, Mal tells Simon to keep River confined to her room at all times, and she's only allowed out with Mal's personal permission. And he also does note that she seems to be getting worse, and Simon quietly acknowledges, yeah, I, I you know, I've noticed. Wash and Jane are playing horseshoes and they're complaining about the lack of work. They need money coming in. Why doesn't Mal just take a job and say, heck it? But about that time, Simon comes over saying that he has a job, one that would pay about 10 times over. His proposal is if they help him break into Ariel City's hospital so he can use the 3D neuroimager in the diagnostic ward to analyze River's brain to try to see what the Alliance did to her, then he will show them how to raid the medical storage of the hospital for supplies that will earn them a considerable wealth on the black market. Basically, drug smuggling. Simon explains that his plan has two phases. One, breach the perimeter using an official, quote unquote, medical shuttle and fake EMT IDs. Smuggling the TAMs as deceased patients for the morgue and two, split up with Jane guarding Simon diagnoses River and Mal and Zoe are stuffing the empty quote-unquote coffins with the most valuable drugs they can get their hands on in the medical vault that Simon advised them on. Part of this plan involves Simon rattling off about a bunch of medical information uh-huh. of these two people died and I tried this to save them and then we did this that Mal, Zoe, and Jane really like struggle to remember and they're like running it back lines. I didn't really feel, I mean, I get it's for comedic effect, but yeah. it was just like, okay, I, I felt like they drugged that joke out a little too long. Yeah. And then other bits of this episode were a little rushed. So I'm like, well, you, this easily could have been shortened up. So yeah, th- he was basically trying to prep them. So if they asked what happened to the people, they would have an excuse as to why they're dead. Right. I get it. Just the joke of them continuing to practice it just went on a little long. Especially Jane. Like, bruh, listen, we know you're stupid. <laughs> that comes up later. <laughs> so River is absolutely terrified of another comatose trip. Her brother promises a diagnosis will help him dispel her nightmares and then injects her and then himself with a drug. Is it M99? We don't know, but maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically, this just puts both of them under to where it looks like they are dead. Malvoice is concerned about how Jane may end up handling himself with Simon after River had sliced him. Jane admits that Simon's plan is good and shrugs off revenge, but jokes that he might give Simon a tattoo while he's out. But we will come to see shortly that is not all Jane has cooked up. So they go through this process. They have some fake IDs delivered. Kaylee rigs a ship to make it look like it's Alliance to make everything look, you know, legit. And they're able to break into this hospital. I say break in, but they're able to enter this hospital with no issue whatsoever. Uh Mal, Zoe, and Jane are pushing in the coffins and start to say all of the stuff that they worked really hard to memorize. And like, well, we have two bodies for the morgue. And the front desk attendant just passes them, like tells them to go on. Which means all this memorization was for naught. But but Jane, who, big lovable idiot, starts to say what he had practiced and everyone looks at him like, well, okay, you, you know, you're adding too much. Now let's just shut up and go on. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very sus. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't be suspicious and don't be again, suspicious. Again, bronze and beauty, not brains. He tries. Obviously. 
So they get into this little room where they've planned and Mal starts the revival process for Simon and River and then he takes off with Zoe to go get the supplies from the medical vault. Before the Tams really come to, Jane wanders off now that he's alone to make a call to an alliance officer who agrees to pay a previously arranged reward for the fugitives, the Tams. When Jane returns to the unconscious Tams with a doctor's uniform and patient's gown, River startles him by rising silently announcing and announcing copper for a kiss. And Simon revives in his violent coughing fit. And one of them is ill, but we can carry on. Simon pushes River in a wheelchair towards the diagnostic ward with Jane joining them. As they pass through the post-op ward, River insists that her brother should help a man who she believes is being killed by his doctor. Simon dashes over to the patient, quickly assesses the problem, revives him with the defibrillator. And stabilizes him. Mal and Zoe, on their way to the supplies room, are intercepted by a doctor who questions Mal. The doctor starts yelling over Mal's, quote, insubordination. Meanwhile, Zoe slips behind the man to a wall-mounted defibrillator and incapacitates him. (laughs) Which she jokingly holds up each end. She's like, clear? (laughs) I think... Shove his body into one of the coffins, and then they use his key card to get into the vault. When they discover that theirs is demagnetized, Mal and Zoe collect everything they can from Simon's list, storing it in the coffins. Now, I like what you said that you would rather have Zoe on your team for like supermarket grabbing sweep. stuff. Yeah, supermarket sweep, sure. Not Mal because Mal's just yeeting everything in. No, and- that was the problem. Mal wasn't yeeting everything in. Oh, was he like cherry picking it? Yeah, so he had a list written on his hand and he was uh-huh. like look like taking his time, like reading, grabbing everything, and Zoe's just going, Take the whole shelf, boss, and just sweeping <laughs> everything in. And I'm like, that's who you want on your team. You don't want someone yeah. who's just yeah. like, Oh, I think it's the acetaminophen, but not the ibuprofen. Who cares, bro? Sweep everything you can. Yeah, you can probably sell it somehow or the other. You're in a time crunch. Cut back to Simon and he is putting River under in the 3D neuroimager and isolates the brain. During the scan, he discovers that her brain has been surgically operated on and opened up multiple, multiple times. Her amygdala had been quote unquote stripped, disabling her ability to suppress her emotions. This is why she lashes out, um, has really bad panic attacks and very vivid dreams. Yeah, so, so Jane has no idea what the amygdala is. And so Simon quickly explains, it's the part when you feel fear, the amygdala is in the back of your brain. And you know, it's what controls your fight or flight. It's where you're able to push issues or you're able to push things to the back of your mind. Since hers has been stripped, she has to feel everything. And she feels everything she can't not feel. So old girls at 11 all the time. This is just my life. What are you talking about? (laughs) Jane, claiming a sudden change of plans and that they are running out of time, leads them away from the diagnostic ward to a rear entrance. While he and Simon argue, River shrieks and starts to babble in fear. As they go out a back entrance that Jane says the plan has changed to, that they have to go out, they are stopped by federal marshals who arrest handcuff Jane as well as Simon and River. Jane quickly learns that the Alliance officer that he had plotted with to arrest Simon and River, now from the start had planned to arrest Jane as well for aiding and abetting the fugitives and keeping the reward money for himself. No duh, Jane. Who knew? Surprise. You plan to screw someone over, you better do it with someone you can trust. 
Yep. So Mal and Zoe return to the shuttle with the loot and they wait around for a little bit, but they realize that Jane and the Tams are super late at this point. So the two of them head back into the hospital to rescue their people, directed by Kaylee's analysis of the hospital floor plan. See, you make a plan with someone you trust. Exactly. Kaylee's a ride or die bitch. While they're handcuffed, Simon actually thanks Jane for his struggle with the feds because he's unaware that he was sold out by Jane, which is kind of sad, but it is what it is. And Jane's not going to suffice up to it. No, 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 no. And River starts babbling and kind of having a fit, I'll say. The feds are really unsure what to do with her, but they soon move the captives, all three of them, to a holding area to wait for them to be picked up. Jane and Simon attack their escorts, managing to kill one and knock the other unconscious. Mind you, still handcuffed. It was pretty cool. (laughs) But the two blue-gloved men arrive to take custody of the Tams. The agents take out a mysterious sonic device, and within seconds, the feds are bleeding from every orifice and quickly collapse dead. Then they move on to retrieve River themselves. Several rooms away, Jane and the Tams hear the screaming of the feds, and River starts to run in the direction opposite of the security station. The Blue Gloves encounter the two marshals that Jane and Simon took down, and they use the sonic device on the living one. Jane and Simon follow River until they reach a locked door. As Jane is starting to struggle to open it, the lock is blasted from the other side by Mal and Zoe. By the time the Blue Gloves arrive, the group has already left. So Inara finally returns to Serenity to find everyone but Kaylee absent. So Kaylee ends up giving her a rundown of everything that's happened just about the time that Mal and Zoe and everybody else arrives on the shuttle. Simon starts ranting and raving about Jane's heroism during their escape. Mal tells Wash it's time to leave the planet and has Jane stay back to help him unload all this new cargo. After everyone else has left the cargo hold, Mal, however, bashes Jane unconscious with a wrench. Jane comes to and finds he's actually in the hold airlock with a radio on the floor. He looks up and sees through this little window that Mal is holding the other radio on the other side of this door. Mal cracks the outer door open to the thinning atmosphere, which is getting thinner and thinner by the moment of them lifting up to leave this planet. Mal states that Simon's plan was absolutely sound and that there was no reason for them to have run into the trouble that they did, unless it was Jane that had called the feds. Jane at first tries to say, you know, no, I would never do that. But he ultimately does confess because he's getting more and more panicked by, again, the thinning atmosphere. He confesses that he betrayed Simon and River and he tries to justify it because he didn't directly betray Mal and he didn't wrong Mal. But Mal considers betrayal against any of his crew to be the same as betraying himself. And he turns to leave. And as he's walking away, Jane asks Mal not to tell the rest of the crew the truth about his betrayal. Just don't explain why I died. Don't tell them. Hearing this, Mal finally relents and remotely closes the outer door. He comes back to the window to stare Jane in the face and warn him if he decides to betray Mal again to at least have the guts to do it to his face. And that's why you want Mal on your side, because he is also a ride or die bitch. This episode closes with Simon visiting River's room with a syringe. She asks, is it time to go to sleep again? As he prepares the injection, Simon responds, no, May May, it's time to wake up. And Frank, I know it's been a long time, but there's a quote here about, well, about this drug. He gave her that Zoloft injection to calm her down. Nothing like an SSRI. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thanks. Man, there's nothing like one of those to just zen you out a little bit, bro. Just even it all out. <laughs> okay. Episode 10, War Stories. So, as Simon reviews the data he collected on River because he downloaded it to a little flash drive thingamajig, 
Book looks over his shoulder and mentions a quote-unquote warrior poet, Shan Yu. Remember this, it'll come back in later. Book cites a quote that suggests that the way to truly learn about someone is to torture them, and wonders if this was the purpose behind the brain surgery done on River. Simon disagrees, believing that there was some specific goal in doing this to her over and over again. I think he even brought up a good point that if it was just to torture her, mm-hmm. they wouldn't still be looking for her. Exactly, exactly. Then we see Niska, who we last saw in the train job episode where Mal kicked his man, his main man Crow, into the engines. And he is actually having a traitor tortured at the moment. So he's living up to his violent reputation. His assistant interrupts him to announce a quote-unquote Firefly-class ship that might belong to Malcolm Reynolds is nearby. Niska orders this man to go and fetch the culprit, a.k.a. Mal and his gang. Inara urges Mal to respect the privacy of her upcoming client, which is a counselor of some political importance. In this situation, the client is coming to Inara instead of Inara going to their residence. Mal reassures her that he won't cause a scene, but Inara is also concerned about the other crew, quote, ogling her client. And Frank, there is a piece of sage advice coming back here from me. Mal, 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 Mal. If you listen to the first season of Bitch Watch, you would have heard the advice I gave. For a one-nighter, you go to his place. He's less likely to kill you at his place. Thanks. Thanks. In the kitchen, Mal vetoes Wash's idea to improve their profit from all this medicine by bypassing local middlemen. He thinks that they will make more money if they just directly go to the buyer. And Wash is surprised that Mal has vetoed this because Zoe had previously told him that she didn't even run it by the captain. Later, Zoe admits to Wash that she did mention it, but Mal disagreed, so she accepted it without arguing with him, and then she lied to Wash to not upset him. But... This makes Wash even more upset because she just casually submits to Mal and she lied to Wash about the whole thing. I was gonna say, this whole episode, Wash has a bug up his ass that Zoe is loyal to her captain, sometimes more so than her husband. Yeah. One thing I'm just gonna say to end this on Zoe not being as submitting to her husband, which, fuck that, but <laughs> Mal's her boss. Mm-hmm. Wash is her partner. There is a big difference. Big difference there. Oh, totally. And I don't know why Wash doesn't see that. It's really weird. So he's upset that she and Mal have such a history. And so I think he just doesn't... I I think, quote, as a man, he doesn't like feeling like he's second in line to another man. Or maybe... I don't know. It it was just a bunch of Joss Whedon bullshit, I guess. I was about to say, you mean it was written by a man? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Kaylee and Jane are trying to sneak a peek at Inara's arriving client And Book shows up to chide both of them, but he's also trying to sneak a peek at this person. And everyone on deck is surprised that Inara's client turns out to be a woman. And Kaylee starts babbling admiration of this female client, that she's beautiful. And Jane Jane quickly has to leave and announces, I'll be in my bunk. And (laughs) Frank, there's a quote from me here. Basically saying that Jane was going to have to leave right before Jane announced that he was going to have to go to his bunk. Everyone's chopping such hard wood right now. Yep, there it is. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) I'll be in my bunk. (laughs) Oh, uh, thanks. That was pretty funny. I know my man. (laughs) 
Preparing the unused shuttle for their business rendezvous, Zoe and Mal discover that it's been sabotaged by Wash, which, I don't know, tie him up. Mm-hmm. Throw him off. Who demands that he go with Mal to the meeting. He explains that he wants to take Zoe's place at Mal's side so they don't bring back another tale of adventure-laden bonding. Such a contrived storyline. Also, I know that Wash has a different style of dress than basically everybody else, but you Mm -hmm. would think maybe he would raid Zoe's side of the closet and wear something a little bit more tactical to this mission than a Hawaiian shirt. Nah, Hawaiian shirt's fine. That's tactical for Wash. Absolutely. He does later. That's the thing. Exactly. And it was very, it was very tight fitting. So, you know, he raided it from Zoe's side of the closet. I feel like fucking something. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because you want to look a little bit threatening like you came to rumble. And he's just like, hey, I just got back from Oahu. (laughs) He doesn't look like he's ready to rumble. He looks like he's ready to luau. He's ready to mamba, you know? Uh, Sorry. Anywho. Very annoyed as Zoe just leaves them to their mission. And she's like, fine, you know what? If you want to do this, do it. I don't care. This isn't my problem. This is dumb. This is some man bullshit. Mm -hmm. And uh, she leaves them to go on their mission. And Mal reluctantly agrees to let Wash tag along. So in her quarters, Inara is sensually massaging the counselor while remarking that When she chooses her rare female clients, she does so because they are extraordinary in some way. And hints that the counselor's gift is allowing Inara herself to relax and to serve her own needs as well as the counselor's. Which... You guessed it. I'm gonna... I'll explain in a minute. Frank, insert the clip. Joss Whedon wrote this scene of woman talking to another woman and after they kiss, his brain exploded. <laughs> too hot, can't function, can't handle, too hot, ah, uh, ah, uh, I am done. Thanks. So this is the most man-written woman-on-woman scene I think I've seen in a long time. It's really bad. Yeah. It, mm. I understand that women are quote-unquote more sensual sometimes but it's not all hot oil back massages when two women are being intimate you know what i'm saying oh there are different levels of intimacy as well i understand what nara's role as a companion is i understand that this counselor presumably has hired Inara for some wham bam thank you ma'am but is that all companions do or can, can companions also spend time with you can they also be like an escort. Yeah. I say escort. I know what escort can mean, but you you know what I'm saying. The right. literal meaning of escort as in spending time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's just really bizarre. And it's just like hot oil massage and you do this for you and it like serves you as much as it serves me. So I don't know. It's just really weird. I've never given somebody else a massage and thought, wow, this is great for me. Right? Like, uh, okay, how much How much longer is this not going to be in their back, dude? Like, just let it go. I don't know what's bothering you, but you need to let it the hell go. Yeah. So, anyways, ridiculous scene. Wash defends his assumption of Zoe's role to Mal and then winds up hauling the merchandise to this meeting. Then they start to meet with these middlemen, but they all of a sudden get killed by other men who suddenly rise up from the sand and quickly capture Mal and Wash. So time passes and then Zoe starts growing concerned about what's happened to these two and Book volunteers to accompany her and Inara to investigate. I guess at this point the counselor's left. 
Yeah, I guess. They get down to the rendezvous point and Zoe notices the abandoned supplies in a burn trail that's been left on the ground by a short-range craft and not from a normal ship. From this, she determines that Niska has to be behind this kidnapping. On Niska's skyplex, the kidnappees, so Mal and Wash, start bickering with one another and Wash is upset both about the danger that Mal is regularly exposing Zoe to, secondly, that she just openly obeys Mal. Wash questions Mal's assertion that she doesn't blindly obey him and Mal quickly backs this up by claiming, well, she doesn't always listen because I told her not to marry you. (laughs) That went over very well. (laughs) Oh yeah. Niska appears and soon his torturing starts with the torture, which we see as electroshock. But Mal Mm -hmm. and Wash are so busy yelling at one another that they don't even really acknowledge that they're being tortured. Mal, as a good captain, notices that Wash's anger is keeping him from collapsing. So he starts really poking the the beast here and hints that he has a sexual history with Zoe. Wash is sure this has never happened, saying that, in fact, it's the quite opposite. Zoe has an obsession with you because you've never slept together. She has a fascination and claims that at this point, Mal should just sleep with her so his wife can get past what he feels is this fixation on Mal. And Mal accepts, fine, you know, I will, uh, just to keep Wash from breaking. And Frank, there's another quote here about the whole scene. This was written by a man. (laughs) I roll. I just rolled my eyes so hard. I'm going to lay in with your wife in the married way. Yeah, I'm taking her into my bed. Well, don't worry. Niska, the therapist, just got done going over things with Mal and Wash and turns out they both want to fuck you, so there is that. I don't know why a solution immediately came to mind. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. God, I... mm, mm. You know, if someone were to ask me... Now that I've watched Firefly, my one big takeaway is it was written by a man. That's all I'll have to say about the whole thing. I hate that, too. I hate that. It really does feel that way, though. And I I hate that a lot. Anyways, so Zoe collects all the funds remaining from the aerial job in order to pay off Niska, counting on him to treat this as a business transaction. Basically, she's giving him the money back that... If they had completed the train job, she's given him the equal amount back. So... And she's partially correct about Niska treating this as a business transaction because Niska offers to release only one of the two men for the price that she offers. Expecting to be entertained to see Zoe's dilemma, Niska is disappointed uh, when she chooses her husband before he even finishes his taunt. (laughs) She's like, that one. Choose that one. Okay. He he was like so off-put. He was Mm -hmm. just so upset. Niska has his torturer sever Mal's ear to give back to her. And he gives it to Zoe as a quote-unquote refund. Because she overpaid for Wash. Yeah, and she shoves it in her titty holder. (laughs) Frank, there's a quote here. Thanks for the ear. I'm going to shove it in my titty holder. (laughs) Thanks. So Zoe and Wash end up getting back to the shuttle, and he immediately prepares a rescue mission. The rest of the crew choose to assist Wash and Zoe and back them up while Inara tries to gain assistance from the counselor as backup. Wash then takes Serenity in for a precision stealth breaching, allowing the crew to board the station before the defenders can respond. Wash is in this great outfit. It's a tank top, like a wife beater. And he's got a tactical vest on. And... That was the highlight of the scene, but briefly, when asking 
I don't know. I think Jane was asking him something. He goes, there's no man left behind. And Frank, there's a quote here for that. All right, George W. Bush. Thanks. Yeah, the issue is Jane sees it as a suicide mission, even though yeah. I feel like that was slightly out of character for him. Because he is a mercenary. He likes to shoot people. He likes to fight. He doesn't have the strongest allegiance to the captain. Uh-huh. His main priority is who's going to pay me the most. Mm-hmm. To be able to go into this other place and blow a bunch of people up, he should have been the first to sign up. Yeah, and especially when you have all of the crew behind you. Yeah. Yeah, he starts trying to fight and that this isn't a good idea, which his two brain cells were working, I guess, but not in the right way. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. Wash, you know, says, well, there's no man left behind, blah, 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 but mm. Mm, I don't know. After Mal has endured further torture without breaking down niska has a device affixed to his chest which forces these thin like tendrils underneath his skin which causes extreme pain it cut away briefly but it comes back into this torture chamber to reveal that mal has died fortunate and unfortunately for him his tormentors (laughs) revive him just to continue torturing him and the captain weak and lays on the table unrestrained as they start to slice at him with wire cutters as Zoe leads Jane and Wash towards the torture room, Book, Simon, and Kaylee stay behind to prevent the station personnel from taking over their shuttle. And Frank, there is a Dear Diary quote here. Oh, Jane, let's go. He dual wielding. He got Vera in one hand, a pistol in the other. Dear Diary, Witsy here. Long time no speak. <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion. I'm going to have good dreams tonight. Thanks. So a- as they're... As Simon, Book, and Kaylee are having this shootout, Simon's aim is awful. That man is a doctor for a reason. Book (laughs) surprises everyone, myself included, by expertly shooting men's legs and easily dodging return fire. As a preacher, he feels like he can't murder people, but taking other kneecaps is eh, a little bit more questionable. That's a gray area. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) fine. Uh, Kaylee is really shaken up by all of this, and she's unable to return fire at all. And as the enemy starts moving in closer, she actually ends up retreating into serenity for safety. River appears and takes Kaylee's pistol from her, takes a quick glimpse at her, at their attackers, and then she emerges and kills all of the enemy troops with single gunshots with her eyes closed and says, no power in the verse can stop me. It it was a lot more, no power in the verse can stop me. Yeah, I guess, sure. It's interesting, her lines. Her lines are very interesting. Sometimes they're really badass and sometimes I think they use the, like, a word scrambler and just went... Yeah, that'll work. Mm -hmm. Deep inside the Skyplex, the intrusion alarm distracts Niska. Mal uses this distraction to take out the torture with the same tendril-producing device from earlier. And as Mal starts to beat on Niska, the torture recovers. The crew arrive to find Mal being throttled by the torture over a huge automated factory pit. Though Zoe initially suggests Mal would insist on defeating the torturer alone, he protests... And his crew quickly gunned the man down. <laughs> yeah, this was great. She goes, oh, I think Mal can handle it. On her, or I think Captain would want to do this on his own. And he goes, no, I don't think he would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was that. I like that. He's like, no, I've had enough. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, you know, I, I'd like to sit this one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mal, I've already died once today. Don't need to push it a second time. Reynolds. <laughs> um. So Mal ends up joining the crew on Serenity's cargo hold where he fiddles with the reattached ear. 
Simon expresses discomfort at killing people, but Book reassures him that it is unlikely he actually killed anyone in that gunfight. And Frank, there's a quote here about us commenting on Book's burn. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Shots fired right there. Someone call a medic. Oh, wait, he is the medic. <laughs> he is the medic. Thanks. Zoe serves her husband some soup, which is a callback to the Mrs. Reynolds episode, I guess. And Mal enters to remind Wash of the arrangement they had made during the torture. Mal explains to Zoe about their mutual burning sexual tension and pulls her close. (laughs) Zoe plays along and they awkwardly move as if to embrace one another. Awkwardly is not strong enough of a word. It was... Yeah, (laughs) it it is so cringe. You would get more sexual tension out of pushing two crackers. Like, food, food. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, I don't want to say that. Uh, you would get a, as much sexual tension as, like, pushing two pieces of bread towards one another. Yeah, 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 exactly. And just as Zoe says, take me, sir. Take me hard. Mm-hmm. Jane walks in and comments that something about this was downright unsettling. And Wash finally gets up and drags his wife off, announcing that they'll be in their bunk. And the episode ends with Jane climbing the abandoned soup as his own lover. He eats the soup. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back after a quick break. The world can feel like a pretty hopeless place nowadays. There are about a billion problems in the world, but yet it feels like no one's willing to talk about them. So that's why you should go listen to my new podcast, A Modern Proposal. My name is Parker James, and I'm going to share with you the world's worst problems and some even worse solutions with a guest that's coming in completely cold. You can find A Modern Proposal wherever you get your pods casted. Listen, follow, and be sad. Episode 11, Trash, which arguably I would have named the next episode, but... Yeah, I had to just look and see what happens in the next episode. I'm still a little confused, perhaps. We'll get there. So this episode, I think, had the best opening out of all of the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> also the best closing. A best closing, and just, you know, for reasons. I don't know. I don't know. I, so- I couldn't place my finger mm. on why. No, um, one finger, I have a feeling, would not be enough. But I think also it's because Mal feels so vulnerable in the opener, in the closing. It's really charming um, as a female viewer to watch a man, a you know, a traditional man, be able to be open and vulnerable. So um, if you haven't gathered by now, this episode opens in a desert where Mal is sitting on a rock naked and says to himself, yeah, that went well. Which (laughs) starts a flashback to 72 hours earlier where Mal is meeting up with his old friend Monty. Monty was also an independence fighter back in the war and now he is also a smuggler. So they're kind of true cohorts all the way through. Monty kind of presents himself as a happy-go-lucky guy. He is a little bit older and Uh tells Mal, he is so excited to tell Mal that he's recently married and can't wait to introduce him to his lovely new bride, Bridget. So he calls Bridget over and as soon as they spot one another, Mal and quote Bridget pull guns on one (laughs) another. They start fighting because Bridget turns out to be Saffron. Listeners, 
Sly here played me like a fool in the last episode because I go on and on about how I hate Saffron. She could come back. I didn't know. She did in a bad way. I hate this character so, so much. So, so much. I'd rather have Badger come back. Go Badge. Mal and Saffron ended up throwing fisticuffs with one another. And there's a moment where Mal gets up and literally jumps and leaps at her like a flying squirrel. I had a good little giggle at it. And Monty's very confused by this, and Mal tells him that Saffron is his wife. Saffron objects and addresses Mal by name, which is a big red flag because Monty never formally introduced them. So this catches Saffron in a lie that she definitely has a past with Mal. Yep. Feeling betrayed by the two of them, Monty strands Saffron on the drop point with Mal. And Mal orders Saffron to start walking away from his, quote, scrap of nowhere. And Saffron tries to work her wiles on him again, putting on lipstick. And he grabs the lipstick and throws it out into the sand away from her. Then she starts tempting him with a planned theft that's supposed to be hugely profitable. That way she isn't stranded there. When Serenity arrives to pick up Mal in the unloaded cargo, the crew is put. The crew is puzzled over Mal's injuries, and he refuses to discuss this. Inara asks him into her shuttle for tea. He even says, well, this is different. And he starts ranting over the use of her feminine wiles to manipulate him. It's a little unfair to Inara because she does have an ulterior motive in this situation, but she's getting Mal, who is hot and heavy right after having dealt with Saffron. So Inara is upset with what's going on. Mal's coming into the situation pretty hot and heated, and... Doesn't have time for her to try and manipulate him. Inara gets straight to her point and implies that they have been taking far out stops and taking really long time to complete jobs. And implies that he is deliberately making it hard for her to find clients, knowing he doesn't love her line of work. Inara goes as far as calling him a petty thief and even suggests he hasn't been taking series about his own work lately. This really pisses Mal off, so he storms out, goes into the cargo bay, opens one of the loaded crates, and it's revealed to the Watcher that Saffron has been smuggled onto the ship, and he gets more details from her about this heist that she wants to do. Yes. So Saffron stands before the crew, describing her brilliant plan to rob an antique laser pistol, the Lassiter from Durin Hamer, a wealthy collector of Earth-that-was artifacts. She claims a remarkable awareness of Hamer's security arrangements, but insists that she needs help to get the weapon off the estate. However, the crew expresses outrage that they would even consider working with her again. Mal discusses his reasons for his leniency, and Zoe is extremely skeptical, but decides to go with the plan, then punches Saffron's chin. Just laid that bitch out right there. Yes, she did. Jane watches over Simon and River, keeping them out of Saffron's sight because Mal was really concerned that Saffron would just quickly flip on them for a quick buck. I wonder so. why he's worried about that. And then assigns Jane to keep an eye on them. Well, he could at least handle his own again. Well, I don't know. He'd probably be the first one to be like, smacky, smacky, lady, lady, kissing her. I mean, Yeah, that's true. I don't know. He did try to trade his beloved Vera for her. River tells Simon in private that Jane has been scared. He's, quote, afraid will know. And this finally dings in Simon's head of, Oh boy, sold us out. 
Yeah, old boy was the reason we got into that mess, even though he helped us get out. Wash and Kaylee described their detailed plans of how to get Mal and Saffron in and the antique weapon out. The key to this plan is to dump the collectible pistol into the automated trash disposal unit, which Kaylee will then reprogram to take the trash to a remote location where they can pick it up. So basically, every other door has a monitor on it to see when that pistol goes out. And so the only way to bypass the doors is the trash chute. Mm -hmm. And Frank, there is a quote here. Oh, golly. Lifestyles of the rich and paranoid. <laughs> Always complaining. Thanks. It's me singing. You're welcome. And sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. So Mal and Saffron enter the estate without any difficulty. Then they easily find the room that features this Lassiter, but they are super surprised when Durin himself enters the room. And Mal is even more surprised when Durin rushes to Saffron and embraces her and thanks him, highly thanks him, for bringing back his wife, Yolanda. I have <laughs> never seen a Yolanda that looked any less than a Yolanda than this person, but here we are. Yolanda slash Saffron disappeared six years earlier. This was probably a highlight for me. This whole in this whole episode, actually, I forgot the opening and the ending. So this was a second highlight for me. <laughs> Mal like comically is trying to disappear into the background. So he says they talk about someone that you know also disappeared around the same time she did, but he died. And Mal goes, "Wait, he died." Yeah, and it was the IT guy who set up all the security stuff, so yeah. that's how she could get in. Yeah, so Mal, Mal goes, wait, he died? And <laughs> he's just reacting to everything because he obviously has no idea what's going on, but he's trying to blend yeah. into the situation. And I just, this was one of his greater moments in my like highlight reel of Mal Reynolds. Is yes, him trying to finish this heist. Absolutely. Uh, Saffron insists that Dern should provide some compensation for Mal's rescue. And Mal goes, no, 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 that's not necessary, you know. And as Dern leaves to go get the money, Mal and Saffron finish retrieving the pistol. And Mal starts wondering aloud whether Saffron is actually in love with Dern. If he might indeed be her real husband. Uh, at some point in this episode, I don't remember if it's here, but he he kind of gestures that maybe she's got like hundreds of husbands throughout the galaxy. Yeah. Dern arrives in time to observe this disconnect with her story and she tries to backpedal and Mal ends up telling him the truth about the robbery attempts. <laughs> While Saffron expresses contempt for Dern, Mal sneakily drops the antique in the trash chute. Dern informs his beloved, quote, wife that he had notified the authorities the moment he walked in and found them in the trophy room. He, he had a what a secret button on one of his rings yeah yeah real dumb like lifestyles and the rich and the paranoid <laughs> <laughs> saffron tries switching back to her feminine wiles but finally ends up knocking this husband unconscious she's got a real she loves she's got a real affinity for roundhouse kicks as the feds, who were signaled by the ring, descend on the estate, the two thieves escape and leave in Serenity's shuttle. Wash has been holding Serenity directly under Hamer's estate's trash unit while Jane retrieved the control unit and Kaylee reprogrammed it. During this, Jane is actually shocked, unconscious, almost falls off of the ship and Kaylee has to grab him. Book ends up dragging him back into Serenity to be treated by Simon. And Zoe goes outside to try to help Kaylee who manages to get the control board plugged in just before the automated pickup vehicle comes up behind them and attaches itself to the trash unit. Kaylee was a little bit too short to reach it. And so it was a real stretch. Mm. 
As Mal's shuttle flies toward the rendezvous in Isis Canyon, he continues to explore his theory that Durin was Saffron's true love and original husband, and the con artist seems to break down over what she's lost. She and Mal are talking on the ship, and he expresses his belief that she'll just go back to being her conniving self. She proves him correct by actually uh, yoinking his gun and pulling it on him. <laughs> He's He was telling her, oh, I won't tell the crew about your break here. And you know it's all good. And she's like, okay, then I won't tell the crew about how easy it was to lift this gun off of you and then yeah. like pulls it on him. It was beautiful. The crew on Serenity find that Saffron sabotaged the ship's alternators, preventing the ship from maneuvering. So they can't go to the rendezvous location. The ship is forced to touch down and wouldn't be able to make the rendezvous, of course. And so Saffron forces Mal to disrobe and strands him in the desert, leaving him to yell obscenities at her as she departs in the shuttle. It's really, really great. Again, highlight. Highlight. At the trash yard, Saffron searches through the garbage for this antique laser pistol. And to her, and to her surprise, Inara emerges above her to taunt her with the weapon. She explains that the Serenity's crew had been playing Saffron all along. The companion also claims to have been a part of the plan this whole time. She remotely closes the garbage container to trap Saffron for the authorities to pick up later. Gang, gang. Just bad bitch Inara coming in to save the day. I loved that outfit with the whole veil number. Loved it. I feel like Inara has the best outfits in this. Yes. I think this is my second favorite after what she yeah. wore to that ball or yeah. dance or whatever party. Yeah. Her like Phantom of the Opera dress. Futuristic Phantom of the Opera dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved that veil. I want to live in that veil. Mm -hmm. Just add it to the bad bitch vibe. Yep. So in the infirmary, Jane awakens to find himself medically paralyzed to rest his spinal injury. When he asks if he's going to be okay, Simon calmly asks him how much he was offered to hand over the Tams to the Alliance. Jane calls, is there anybody there? And River appears. Jane asks, <laughs> anybody else? Does he realize it's just him and the Tams? He kind of looks around. Simon points out in that, in Jane's, quote, dangerous line of work, he will require the services of the ship's doctor again. Then he surprises the mercenary by promising, I want you to understand one thing very clearly. And he gets, I feel like, if I remember correctly, he like starts leaning in closer to Jane's face. Yeah. And he says, uh, no matter what you do or say or plot, no matter how you, how you come down on us, I will never, ever harm you. And because he's a doctor and Jane is part of the ship's crew. After the doctor leaves, River peeks back in at, also, I can kill you with my brain. <laughs> and I think at this point, Jane, because all Jane can move is his face. He had really great yeah. facial expressions here. Yeah. So we come to this episode's close. Later, Serenity makes it to Mal's location, which is what we saw at the beginning of the episode. And Mal mm -hmm. is sitting on this rock, stark naked as a jaybird, and remarks, well, that went well. Really quick, wouldn't that rock be really hot? I thought the same thing we were watching. I'm like, how is he not burning his asshole off of his body? His balls are frying to it. <laughs> we, what we didn't hear when he got up was... <laughs> like tearing like that uh, Joe Dirt scene with the dog. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, uh, sizzling like two sunny side up eggs, baby. <laughs> the outline. When Anara comes to pick him up, there's like that weird outline on his shoulder. It's like a halo you pointed out from the green oh, screen. Oh, yeah, from the green screen, which... Yeah. That was bizarre. Yeah. Damn, get that in post, fellas. If I can edit a podcast, y'all can edit a video. 
Inara and Mal trade some quips about Mal's plan, which is where we see the weird outline. Mm-hmm. Wash and Zoe look on, and they're awkwardly kind of stunned by what's going on with this. As Mal cheerfully re-enters Serenity, still naked, and muses about the success of their heist, seemingly unbothered by his nudity. At one point, he picks his arms way up, pulls his hands behind his head, and is just showing everybody what he was blessed with. Yes, ma'am. Besides the viewer. Episode 12. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 12, The Message. Now I remember what this episode is, and I agree with you. Could be called The Trash. I I don't like this episode. I really hate this. I feel like the Mrs. Reynolds episode to you is what this episode is to me. Yeah, even... Even though I guess technically we need the backstory of them meeting Saffron to understand the last episode. Actually, no. No, we didn't. Because in the very first episode when they talk about, oh, patient shot you. Oh, just a little. Yeah. I could have used that much backstory for the Saffron bullshit. Remember that one time you accidentally got married to a conniving person and you still don't know her real name? Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, what was that? Yeah, you know? exactly. And- Give her a little bit more mystery, not just, oh, this bitch yeah. is crazy and not in the fun river way. Yeah. <laughs> the cute, adorable, lovable river way where she just slashes Jane's chest open. Just Give a little. more shirtless scenes. It's good. Oh, yeah, that's true. All right. She's your bestie right now. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this episode opens on a space station where there are people wandering about this kind of carnival situation. Inside the exhibit, Simon and Kaylee are going around the backside away from all the crowds to discuss the exhibits, and they stare at a tall, illuminated cylinder that holds a, what Simon identifies as a mutated cow fetus, to which Kaylee's like, huh, that is a cow fetus. It's upside down. When he said mutated cow fetus and she turned and went, oh, yeah, I can see it. He he says, oh, it's upside down. And she's like, oh, yeah, I can see it. At first, I didn't hear fetus. And my brain substituted the word fetus with uterus. And I went, how in the hell can you just look at a uterus and go, yep, that came out of a cow. (laughs) And then they talked about it having extra legs. And I was so confused. I was so confused. And then they said fetus again or something. Or my brain finally caught up to the rest of the picture. I don't know. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, honey. Oh my god. What? <laughs> Are you good up there? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, Like I said, my brain caught up and I was like, oh, it's a feet. Okay, that makes more sense. I you were close. <laughs> I got to uterus and went. Hmm. <laughs> That's odd. Extra limbs? There shouldn't be any. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fetus, not uterus. <laughs> oh my god. So Simon uses this moment alone with her to attempt to get closer. But once again puts his foot in his mouth when he mentions the only other women he knows are either married, professional, or related to him. And of course, Kaylee, insulted again, leaves in a huff. She gives this man way too many chances. Like, I get you don't want to probably screw Mal or Jane, and Wash is taken on the boat, but like... Well, that's the thing. The only woman available that Simon knows is Kaylee. He's right. And like you were just saying, the only man that's available to Kaylee is Simon. But and one now. of them... Yeah, right. One of them... We could try. <laughs> <laughs> 
one of them, being Kaylee, has the class not to voice this and not make the other person feel like, well, there's nobody else around. Might as well be you. Yeah. And Simon's yeah. just a blubber and idiot who keeps saying stuff like this. Like, well, nobody else is going to work. Might as well be you. And that's why he keeps upsetting her. Yeah, because it's He's an idiot. upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Zoe and Wash enter this chamber and Wash declares that this is grotesque before noticing quote, something in a jar. <laughs> and uh, he's referring to Simon's mess up, muck up of putting the moves on Kaylee. Zoe manages to both console and insult Simon. Yeah, I thought it was funny because at this point, everyone is aware what's going on between those mm-hmm. two. And everyone's aware that Simon keeps mucking this up. Yeah, it's tragic. It's Ugh. really... It's like just watching a train wreck. Uh, everyone wants to applaud Kaylee. Everybody's and want, yeah, wants Kaylee they're to get some. And they're like, come on, Simon. It isn't this hard. <laughs> just, no, just how about you don't talk? Anytime you start thinking I should talk, just kiss her. Yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> Pull a Nike and just do it. Exactly. Thank you. Back in the lobby, Inara tries to convince Mal to let her help fence the Lassiter, but Mal insists on keeping her out of that side of his business. <laughs> he really needs to, like, chill out, because I feel like Inara's got some street smarts, but... Mal checks in with the station's postmaster, who passes along two packages along with the rest of Serenity's mail. So, Frank, there is a quote, because there is a giant box, and then there is a tiny box. The little ones for Cobb. It's what God said when he picked out his dick. Yeah, right. (laughs) You wish. His brain, maybe, but not his dick. Thanks. So Jane arrives to this to find that his mother has sent him a home-knitted cap. And he proudly dons it. And this moment was kind of cute because we find out just how... uh, I'm just going to have to say how dumb this man is because he can't read all the words or he's having to stop and sound them out. (laughs) did you not notice that no (laughs) which i thought was really i thought it was really fun character building especially since we're wrapping up to the end and i know it isn't going to go further than this he got to a few of the words and they were longer which i think kind of messes up the story back and forth because in previous episodes he said downright unsettling you know to Mm -hmm. mal and zoe but then he's when he actually has to read yeah he, he has to like stop and break some of the syllables down to break down bigger words it was kind of fun Um, but yeah he dons this hat and he's really proud of it but the others observe this headgear and they kind of are amused and they're sarcastic about it wash utters a man walks a a man walks down the street in that hat and people know he's not afraid of anything The other shipped item is that huge crate which has been addressed to Mal and Zoe. They open it to discover a dead body. Dun dun dun. Flashback. You you said it. (laughs) Okay, so flashback to seven years earlier at a battle. As a young independent soldier, Private Tracy Smith is calmly preparing a meal behind cover. An Alliance soldier is able to sneak up on him. And as he's about to shoot this private, Zoe appears behind him and cuts his throat. While she lectures the boy about stealth and the necessity for quiet, Mal runs into this room screaming, literally screaming, over some obstacles and crashes into their position. He's like, you want me? Come get me. I'm over here. Come Ah, get me. Yeah. Ah, Throwing pipe bombs. Yeah. Tracy is injured when the Alliance zeroes in on them. And then Mal and Zoe grab Tracy and I think another lieutenant who's in the room and dip. And Frank, there's a quote here I made about 
Mal when he came screaming into the room. In another life, Mal was in a fraternity. <laughs> Kangstons! <laughs> but chug, but chug, but chug. Thanks. All right. So back in the present, the two ex-soldiers are completely bum-fuzzled about this decently preserved, at least, corpse of their former comrade. So they're hauling the box aboard the Serenity when they find a recorded message from Tracy. He apparently anticipated some trouble from some unsavory associates he had gotten in with the wrong crowd, he said, and he asked them to ship the body home to St. Albans. So he didn't trust anyone else to get him back home to his parents, except for Zoe and Mal, which... Yeah, and just in case that wasn't clear, I just realized how the, our notes just kind of scattered. So the flashback of this Tracy Smith, Tracy is the one who's in this box. Which I I wondered who, how he left instructions to be shipped to Mal and Zoe if he was dead. Was it the unsavory characters? Because they would have just like not done it. So I was very confused about who shipped him. He must have, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was in a like a will or something like... Yeah, but if you're in with unsavory characters and you end up dead, normally they're not going to find you. Yeah, it, there's a lot of holes here that kind of scream, this isn't really what you think is happening. Yeah. Anyways, so back on the station, an ominous alliance law officer, Lieutenant Womack, who is actually, it's Terry Hatcher's husband on Desperate Housewives, not Mike, it's... Carl? Is his name Carl? I don't remember. But anyways, it's Julie's dad. Enters with two goons. He threatens first to imprison, then to incinerate the postmaster if he doesn't tell them who went where with that package. And so the postmaster eventually breaks down and says, yeah, no, uh, yeah, Mal Reynolds, you know the guy? He's got a Firefly ship. It's a class one, two, three, four XB. Uh, he just left about, oh, five minutes ago. And <laughs> he went that way <laughs> with the coffin-sized package. So uh, he ends up letting the guy go and the postmaster is safe. But they're hot on Mal's trail. So back on Serenity, Jane is bench pressing and starts waxing on about death to book and mentions that dead people, or at least dead people that he didn't kill, makes him feel like doing something. And at a moment <laughs> I was like, what? Come on, baby yeah, boy. Right. And he said, make him feel alive, like running or, you know, doing things. I'm like, okay, that I guess makes sense. <gasps> um, but book con contemplates that they should have a modest ceremony for the dead man. River shows up and starts laying on the casket and yeah. <laughs> book's like, uh, honey, I don't think you want to do that. And she's like, I'm comfortable as she lays completely on top of it. And it was one of those moments of... Face down. Yeah. It was one of those moments of why was this written? I understand that River's off the deep end, but... It's because I think she knew he wasn't actually dead and she could vibe with him. But I don't know why she was comfy. <laughs> so... Uh, later that evening, I guess, some time has passed. Uh, Mal and Zoe are entertaining Inara with hilarious tales about Tracy's antics during the war. Uh, specifically, he stole an officer's mustache and stuck it to his face while they were all drunk one night. <laughs> Suddenly, the ship is shaken by a near miss from an Alliance craft. Lieutenant Womack hails them and demands to board Serenity. The crew mistakenly think that Womack is after the Lassiter. And when Womack mentions that crate over videocom, however, Mal realizes that he's after Tracy's coffin. So he tries to stall for time while they take apart the crate to discover what secrets it may contain. Finding nothing, they decide to have Simon autopsy the soldier, but the doctor's first incision down the middle of his chest causes the, quote, dead man to leap up and struggle with the crew. Ba ba ba. 
After he calms down, Tracy confesses that he is actually smuggling illegal internal organs. He was supposed to deliver the implanted organs on Ariel, but he found a higher bid. Unfortunately for him, the original buyers killed the new customer and are now after their stolen, quote, merchandise. Two more shots from Womack reminds them of their immediate peril. Walsh takes Serenity down to St. Albans, where they try unsuccessfully to elude their pursuer in a narrow, snowbound valley. They finally come to rest inside of a hidden cave, but the Alliance ship drops explosive charges into the valley to flush them out. And Frank, I think there's a, a slight musical moment here where they mentioned that they were outgunned. And Sly and I cannot hear the words outgunned without breaking into song. Outgunned! Outmanned! Outmanned! Numbered outplanned! <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. It was beautiful. It was a really good moment. Kaylee, she heard the message that he had left and she started to kind of uh, get Twitterpated over it and she would listen to it over and over again that Tracy had left. And so now she's getting to know and even flirt with the young soldier whose words just mesmerize her and leave her even more Twitterpated. And it's a whole thing. And Book does some checking on their alliance pursuers and discovered that some there is some strange behavior going on. He recommends to Mal that they allow the feds to board the ship. Tracy overhears some of this conversation and pulls a gun on the crew. Mal expresses disgust at his former subordinate's attempt to force them to get him out of his own mess that he made and orders Wash to call the feds. Tracy fires at Wash, wounding him. Uh, I believe even shoots the comm out of his hand. And... <laughs> Wash is just constantly like, do I call them? Do I not call them? Do I call them? Do they not call them? And then Tracy shoots him. And as Tracy fires at Wash, Zoe ends up shooting the ungrateful man in the chest. She's done with his bullshit. Not my husband. Shoot. Mm -mm, you don't come into my ship, getting my shit all in a mess, shooting my husband. That's my job. <laughs> First of all, that is my job. And wounded but not slowed down, Tracy ends up running out of the room and grabs Kaylee, who is walking in to see what the shooting is about, and uses her as cover. And he heads to the cargo bay. Mal confronts him about his behavior, and Tracy lays into the, his former superiors, saying that the reason he chose them is because they're saps. Jane comes up behind him, and as Tracy turns to shoot him, Mal fires instead, knocking the young man to the ground. Lieutenant Womack enters the cargo bay with his goons and he tries to intimidate the smugglers with his alliance authority. But Book comes out unarmed, badass, comes in to explain why he won't be using that authority. And uh, so the suspicious behavior that he noted earlier was that they passed an alliance station, essentially. Yeah. So many clicks back. Yeah. Like eight clicks, something stupid yeah, close. And they didn't check in with them. And mm -hmm. they're doing a lot of things under the radar. So Book is very quick to say, yes, you work for the Alliance, but all of this like black market organ dealing you're doing on the side, you don't want them to know you're here. You're doing all of this on the sly, you know, on the low. On the sly? Yeah, on the sly. Are you calling me out? Yeah, yeah. He's even out of his jurisdiction. Yeah, exactly. He has no jurisdiction here. So he's like, you're not here for the Alliance. You're not mm -hmm. going to be killing any of us. In fact, you're going to turn around and put your tail between your legs and run off. Yeah, exactly, which was like, whew, good job, little buddy. Dang, book coming out clutch with these alliance folks. Yeah, and there's a quote and, there, but I don't know what that quote was. Yeah, Frank, put in that quote. It has something to do with this. Sorry, guys. Damn, book. Book's coming into his own. We might only have two more episodes, but book coming into his own. <laughs> book is redefining BDE. It's going to be 
book dick energy. You think I'm going to clip yep. that? <laughs> You're putting that in. You're putting that in, bish. Thanks. Faced with the threat of death from the preacher, Walmack decides to dip, dismissing the, the, quote, damaged goods in Tracy's gravely wounded chest. Before walking down the boarding ramp, he looks to Jane and tells him wearing that hat makes him look like an idiot, to which I said him not having hat made him look like an idiot, but... <laughs> Tracy, because he's a real idiot, realizes all too late that Book's confrontation was all part of a big plan. He, in fact, screwed this plan up by threatening the crew, and then he got himself shot for these efforts. He asks Mal and Zoe to deliver him home once more and actually ends up dying, speaking a phrase that they shared in a war. I didn't make note of that phrase. It doesn't matter. He did. Yeah, he Not did. important. He did. That he was did. his phrase. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm sure they heard that a lot in the war. Yeah. I'm dying. <laughs> no, uh, I'm, I'm dead. Accompanied by gloomy music and voiced over excerpts from Tracy's message. So we get to hear it again. The crew of Serenity solemnly returns the fallen soldier to his grieving family. Yeah, they they drop him off on that home planet. And uh, Frank, there's a quote. He is, uh, body hasn't even cooled. He's been delivered. His body's still warm. When did he die? Five minutes ago. We wanted to make sure he was fresh. <laughs> it came in a green box labeled Hello Fresh. They cooked the meat for him, bruh. All he had to do was prep the veggies. <laughs> Yeah. We're never getting sponsored by HelloFresh now. I hope you know. <laughs> Thanks. And also HelloFresh, I didn't mean what I said. Yeah, uh, that's all of the episodes for this stint. Um, we have two left in Serenity the movie, which I'm excited, not excited for. I mean, it's coming either way. I'm starting to kind of get not tone deaf, but I see this like that was written by a man parts, but it's not as annoying at this point because i've just kind of accepted it mm -hmm. for what it is uh which is you know probably the best policy at this point i've harped about it enough yeah uh now that i'm fully getting not that i didn't grasp who the characters were in the first uh -huh. or the second bit but now that i'm getting a really good understanding of this character is this and this and this uh -huh. i'm enjoying the show a little bit more i think this was my favorite block that we've done so far i think so as well for me there are some things yeah. that i took a little issue with like you're saying that this was written by a man like someone who didn't know how to cater to all audiences mm -hmm. just to people like himself and yeah. I struggle the most with that, with anything, you know, not even this, but when we look at TV that has been well-written, uh -huh. like I felt like that was something we really took away from Dexter is even though Dexter had its moments, as yeah. a whole, we felt like it was very well-written. There was never a spot where I was like, oh my God, this is eye-rollingly sexist. Right. There are moments. Maybe like one or two. Yeah. But there are moments where we go, well, this was convenient writing. This yeah. was convenient writing or Syl never had children. Why does she all of a sudden have children? You know, I think with this show, the thing that's starting to, I don't want to say wear down on the viewer, but I think the experience that we're having versus what a, a casual viewer would have, a casual viewer could come in and watch one episode or two episodes. Mm -hmm. We are binge watching. Like We're pushing through this to watch a lot of episodes within a short window of time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's, we're almost becoming overwhelmed with how much, yeah. I don't want to say is wrong with this, but how much of this could have been corrected by another person. It could have been better. Yeah. It could have been that perfect show that Baby Sly wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I just feel like it could be better. I hope if the reboot does see the light of day, they rectify those things, which I'm sure they will. You know, I hate to excuse things in the past or go, well, it was a different time. That's a yeah. horrible 
piss poor excuse but it is a different time and Uh what people are willing to put up with now (laughs) the standard is completely different yeah it it would not fly which is why joss got in so much trouble right Uh, after having years of being this untouchable perfect writer director person yeah my college roommate who i referenced in the trailer for summer shorts who was obsessed with this show was a joss whedon like diehard yeah and if I still had her contact information, I would almost be curious enough to contact her and be like, hey. so uh, how are you feeling about that now? Uh, are you hanging in there? Do you need some tea? Are you using that psychology degree to help you through this? Uh, can you tell we didn't end on <laughs> the best of terms? But yeah, so that's it for this week. We'll be finishing up next week. And then after that, we're doing Freaks and Geeks, which I'm really excited for. But yeah, I think my favorite episode out of the stint was... War Stories was pretty good. War Stories was good. That was the one I was thinking about as well. But I, I think, I think Trash, just this is the Inara part when she comes through. Oh, that was so good. I think War Stories was my favorite. Just the comedic timing of it, I think, was the best. And minus the, I'll fuck your wife. <laughs> but they weren't mm-hmm. giving into what Niska yeah. wanted. So it was more yeah. of a, we're more distracted about our own little pity problem, you know, whatever. So I don't know. It was kind of fun. Yeah, it had really good timing. It was acted well. There were also some of that timing thing, uh, good timing with Trash, whenever he was like, he's dead. <laughs> when oh, I forgot about that. Saffron. No, no, no. Trash was my favorite episode. I forgot. It was so, so good. Um, but yeah, anyways, so if you liked what you heard, you should totally look us up online. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at bitchwatchpod, all together, one word. Our Instagram is fun for fun quotes and snippets from the episodes. And then our Twitter is where we're, I think, having the most interaction. So if you're wanting to talk with us or interact in our polls that we're going to start doing more often, definitely hit us up on Twitter. Having a lot of fun over there. Also, uh, as we're recording this, we're at almost 200 followers. So if you're on Twitter and have not followed us yet, please give us a follow. That would be much appreciated. Wow. Beautiful. Chef's kiss. Mwah. Gold star. Yeah. And my personal Instagram is at bean.butrito. You can also find me on Twitter at that same handle, drop the dot. So my Instagram is witzy12, W-H-I-T-Z-Y 12. And then my personal Twitter is at EC underscore witzy. So that's E-C as in see you later underscore witzy, <laughs> W-H-I-T-Z-Y. That doesn't get old. No. So yeah, if you liked what you heard, you can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's much greatly appreciated. It's how other people can find us. Also, word of mouth is fantastic. And if you uh, are feeling so gracious and kind, you can always drop a dollar in our support jar on our anchor page. Yes. And uh, just remember to make good choices. Don't write sexist lines. Yeah. Or don't. And be smart about it. The the good choices, not the sexist lines. Thanks. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Two bitches, yeah, two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch.